All right, everyone, welcome back to the ninth episode of the Chats of the Charity Stripe podcast. I'm your co-host, Jacob. And I'm your other co-host, Josh. So uh, a couple of interesting things that have happened uh, recently. We we were uh, talking the last episode about how Drew is probably going to get traded the day after or the day of our <laughs> recording, and it happened the day after we recorded. So here we are two weeks later. We're now going to talk about it here. Uh, some interesting, interesting uh, uh, people involved with that. So it, you want to start us off and tell us everything about it? Yeah, so... Uh Literally the day after we recorded, the Celtics traded for Drew Holiday. The Trailblazers, Celtics received Drew Holiday. Trailblazers received Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, a 2024 first top four protected via the Warriors, and they get the Celtics 2029 unprotected first round pick. Uh, thoughts? Uh, I, I think Drew is a very valuable asset, but it seems like um, the Celtics are trading future for present. In this that was trade. my thought exactly. Yeah. Um, obviously, the 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 I mean, the, the picks alone tell you that mm-hmm. that the picks are the future picks. But the the ages of Malcolm Brogdon and Robert Williams are they are very young players. Very there, you can see them going up the escalator of their of their talent. Mm. They're hitting the the tiers every single year. They're getting higher and higher and better every single year. Um, so it just seems like. This is very much the Celtics saying we're winning now. Absolutely. I think before this trade, the Celtics timeline was five, maybe mm-hmm. six years. I mean, assuming their stars don't get impatient and leave, right? Right. Their stars are 25, 26 years old. They had a lot of young depth around them. They had all their mm-hmm. draft picks. This definitely moves it up. They have got they've got to win in the next couple of years yeah. or things are gonna they're just gonna run out of time because Al Horford 37 years old, they want to say, or about to be 37 years old. Drew yeah. Holiday, 33 years old. I think Drew said before that he plans to retire after this contract is up. Yeah. So they don't have a lot of time left now. No, definitely um, not. This this moves things up. I think um, we, we can, I mean, let's just dive into the Celtics now, what they have now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing this does is, right, before you basically had three bigs, all who have question marks around them, but they're all very good when they're on the floor. Now you have to rely on Kristaps Porzingis. He has mm-hmm. to give you something, and he has to be available because you don't. Either, I mean, there's Luke Cornett is the next option. They don't even have like a, a you know a middleman really that they could throw in there yeah. if they wanted to go small at this point. Yeah, I I when. <clears throat> Malcolm Brogdon has, you know, he's very, very impressive. He won, uh, I think he won Rookie of the Year, his rookie yep. year, and he's won Most Improved. Uh, so, I mean, he's he's an incredible player. But I think the biggest hit, there's our episode train the gum Yeah. <laughs> um, I think the biggest hit was Robert Williams, honestly. Like, Absolutely. I, I think he he was such a, such a pivotal player in this last playoff run. Um, he really picked up in, in time of need, uh, and it, they are going to be hurting without him on the team. Absolutely, uh, he's, a, he's a defensive presence. He can give you, you know, quite a bit of points if he needs to, like get feed it in the post. Obviously, the scoring is pretty much going to be heavily on on KP, J- uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, but he was able to give you some points if needed to. And now we're sitting at a point where he's pretty much resetting as a, I mean, it's a deep 
Blazers team now, now that they're adding depth to their their big spot after their yeah. <laughs> huge guard spot. But it just feels like the the Celtics are are shortening their roster in the in the big spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, let's not get it twisted. The Celtics did get better with this trade because you're looking at a starting lineup right now. Obviously, you got Brown, you got Tatum, you got Drew Holiday, and you're either going to have to bring Derek White off the bench or probably Al Horford off the bench. Mm-hmm. Either way, that's a really good player coming off the bench. So Celtics did get better with this, absolutely, um, 100%. They just they shortened their timeline that they have to win um, before they're going to have to reset a little bit. Uh, let's, you know what, let's let's look at the two teams now that have made the trades, yeah. the Bucks versus the Celtics. Who has okay. the advantage here? Uh, it's very, very difficult for me to make this this assumption. Uh, my personally, my bet is on the Celtics at this time. The only reason I say that is because coach roll. There's no coach rollover like there is with the Bucks, mm. uh, or not. There is coach rollover. There's not a new coach in in the helm like right. there is with the Bucks. Um, the the Bucks have a brand new superstar on their team yep. like drew is a star don't get me wrong but he's not a superstar caliber level like dame is mm-hmm. and so finding like the bucks will have to do finding the way that dame and Giannis are going to be able to be on the floor and be productive and efficient at the same time uh the celtics won't necessarily have to do that they they already have their two superstars in brown and tatum they are building the roster around them now mm-hmm. instead of putting new superstars into that role. That's the only reason why I think the Celtics are probably going to be a little bit ahead of the Bucks. Now, we'll see playoff time. I mean, there's 82 games and plenty of playoff games to, to come as well. But we'll, well, you know, we'll see closer to time eventually how, how they stack up. Yeah. My, my biggest, so my question mark is with the Bucks. I think the Bucks mm-hmm. offensively, they have the advantage because they can create a mismatch in a way that the Celtics maybe can't, right? Yeah. You you have a Dame Giannis pick and roll, you're gonna create some offset defense, right? They're right. gonna have to bring more to the ball, or they're gonna have to switch, and now you have a mismatch. There's mm-hmm. definitely a better defensive advantage that the uh, Bucks can create on offense with that. Right. I think the question for the Celtics comes because they're defensively. I think they're really good. I mean, you're talking about they're. I mean. If Kristaps Porzingis holds up on defensive at all, the rest of the guys are going to be really good. Right. Everyone else can be a really good two-way player. Um, so I think what it's going to come down to is can team switch against Kristaps Porzingis? Because if they can switch against him, right, you could just really just play, you know, five smaller like wing type players right. and you won't have much of a mismatch in the ball screens. So I think, you know, the Celtics Offensively, it's going to be how can they create mismatches because that's been their problem in the past is, oh, we don't have two guys that we can go set a ball screen, get a mismatch, go get a bucket in the right. clutch. And I think that question, honestly, is still there. Not that Drew Holiday isn't an upgrade. I think the same question is still there a little bit because Drew's not like he's not a traditional point guard where he's going to just take care of the ball and get you set up on offense in the clutch especially. Right. It, it, it uh, a lot of this, like you were saying, in the pick and roll situation, relies on KP to get better at that as well. Kristaps uh, has never been an, a, a super great pick and roll player, um, but he, he's still young. He's 28 years old. He, he's got time to, to, to get better at that. And I hope, 
I hope that he was working on that this this season. And I yeah. hope the Celtics as a team, front you know, front management and everything, front offices are are saying this is what we need to work on. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think the other thing that would be interesting with the pick and roll is Al Horford has been their best defender in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. He's been the Joel Embiid stopper. He's been the Giannis stopper. Um, so you probably can't bring him off the bench. Right. So now you're looking at a two big lineup, and then in a two big lineup, traditionally you want someone that's a low post player and you want a stretch guy. Right. And you know who? Well, how does that how does that fill out in that situation? If they're both just playing on the perimeter, you don't really gain anything offensively right. from having them on the floor. I think height just alone puts Chris Stapps in in the post in that situation. Yeah. Uh, but is is can he be efficient in the post? Is right. the big question. He's got to be able to take advantage of mismatches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, looking at. Uh, do you want to cover anything about the Bucks before we move on? I know you already touched on them a little bit. I'm ready to talk about the Trailblazers. Okay, yeah. Trailblazers, uh, very interesting team now. Mm-hmm. I, I am very excited. This this was one of the teams, before this trade happened, I was, I was kind of thinking, you know, they're probably going to be one of those teams that's going to be out of the playoffs. Uh, you know, first year together. But this team is becoming slowly stacked as like a young caliber team, mm-hmm. and, which they were in the guard space. But now they have DeAndre Ayton and Robert uh, Williams. So I mean, they have two pretty pretty decent guard or uh, bigs. I'm sorry that can can fill that big space while their their guards can mm-hmm. also just continue to get better. Mm-hmm. This is this is looking like a very very interestingly young team. I'm excited for this. I agree. I mean, you bring in Robert Williams, who is just a really good modern center. He's mm-hmm. great at vertically spacing the floor. He's really good at defending the rim. I The one question I have there is how quickly is DeAndre Ayton going to get frustrated if yep. he's not quite doing his job and they have a do-your-job guy that they can play? Because Robert right. Williams, is he's a do-your-job guy. He does mm-hmm. his job, and he excels at it. If DeAndre Ayton isn't getting the touches and he gets frustrated, you know, is this just going to turn into the Phoenix Suns again? Because that was the initially yeah. when he got traded here, it was like, oh, there's no competition. He can just plug in and he can just yeah. play and he's got a lot of room to to learn and stuff. That would be my question there. But Malcolm Brogdon, if he stays, I mean, he's just a really good veteran playmaker, scorer off the bench. He can really dial it in and take care of the ball if they need that. Yeah. Um, it's really intriguing. Um, and just even if they, whether they trade those guys or they keep them, I think this is a pretty good haul. Yeah. If you're the, if you're the Blazers and with all their upcoming, uh, draft picks that they have now mm-hmm. because of the trades, this team is, 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 it's, it's looking similar to the OKC Thunder a couple, couple of years ago, but with players that can affect the game now rather yeah. than years down the line. Uh, here's my question. Question for you. It's interesting. Uh, who who you got for a starting five on this team? Okay. Because <laughs> this is uh, now we they've added Matisse Thybulle. Uh, you've got also Malcolm Brogdon at, at point guard. You, you, I mean, Scoot Henderson, uh, uh, Shaden Sharp. I mean, this this team is it has some young talent, but also has some guys that have been in the starting role prior. Mm. So. Who are we? Who are we starting there? Oh man, I think, I think I would go DeAndre Ayton, Jeremy Grant, uh, probably Shaden, 
and probably oh man I don't know I'm I'm I'm, I'm torn obviously I'm going Scoot because I mean they're at least going to start the year with him starting right. I would think just because you know they drafted him high and he's got a lot of potential they mm-hmm. want him to develop over Anthony Simons was, was that that's, that's yeah that's the yeah. tough part who's the fifth guy is it Anthony Simons right. or is it Malcolm Brogdon right uh, it's probably Simons just because he's going to be a little bit better off the mm-hmm. ball but if I was Malcolm Brogdon though I'd say you're you're paying me a bunch of money to put me on the bench yeah <laughs> like that would be my in in you know I don't I don't think that he's there to start you know quarrels or anything but i he's he's making 20 uh 22 million in this contract i think anthony simons has a similar contract is it, as well i i it, the database that i'm looking at doesn't have it up on there oh wait yes 24 so he is making more so so i think the interesting thing there is anthony simons right he's been behind damian lillard kind of mm-hmm. like um not quite in the role right. does he think this is my moment now yeah you know or is he fine with because you know it would make sense if he thought that because mm-hmm. he's kind of been waiting and he we know he's got the ability to score and right. very quickly in large quantities so yeah I, they it's a good problem to have for sure yeah as long as everybody stays happy and you know trusts the process it's a good problem to have so your five is Aiton Jeremy Grant Shaden Sharp Anthony Simons and Scoot Henderson yeah okay that's pretty good that's a pretty good starting lineup honestly and and the bench depth. That they have now, Robert Williams. Um, if they do put either either Malcolm Brogdon or Anthony Simons off the bench, mm-hmm. I mean, that's good guys coming off. Matisse Thibel, uh, Chris Murray just picked mm-hmm. up in the draft. I mean, that's going to be if he's anything like his brother, which I hope he is. He's going to be an effective shooter and and definitely. Uh, lengthen the floor a little bit get a little bit more open open in the paint so a lot of defense is, off the bench there. yeah who, who do you who would you have starting uh probably similar i would say it, it my question was the the brogdon simons pick like who do you put in at yeah at point shooting guard i think that that lineup's gonna have some struggles defensively yeah. for sure they don't really have a true point of attack defender there mm-hmm. and deandre ayton is a sometimes rim protector yeah so that would be my question there the, the the big question is is this team good enough to get past the already extremely stacked playoffs or uh, I'm sorry West to get into the playoffs yeah are they a play-in team or are, are they just gonna be on the cusp to be, to be out are they gonna be one of those unfortunate five that this the, the West seems extremely stacked and we had just talked about this before we started recording like we don't know who's gonna be the, yeah. the five out uh, there's there's one or two you could possibly say that you could think are going to be out but I mean these teams are are looking very deep and I think this is exactly what the second apron is trying to do though is yeah. push these teams to be more to be more like this instead of having the stars the superstars taking the whole thing like the Warriors uh, yeah. in 15 or 16 17 with the four stars on that team I, and dispersing them throughout the league yeah. So this is going to be very, very, very interesting to see over the next couple of years. Uh, the uh, the ironic thing with the Blazers is this might be the best team they've had since they drafted <laughs> Damian Lillard, and it took them trading Dame to get this good of a team. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a bit ironic uh, if you're Dame, but but you know he's he's 
he's put a lot of time into into that that culture in Portland and the team. So he, I, I would assume that he is kind of happy to see how they're looking on the way out. Yeah. Especially since he's in the East now and wouldn't have to deal with them. As, he only sees them twice now yeah. instead of four times. So yeah. I, he doesn't have to worry too much about the effect. But this is a very, very interesting trade that happened. Drew, uh, we were expecting him to be dealt pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. So it, and uh, he sure was. So... Boston gets all these teams get deeper. I think that were involved in the recent trades. It's gonna be it's gonna be really fun to watch those yeah. those two. The, the, you know the West and then the Bucks and the Celtics is mm-hmm. gonna be very intriguing. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's uh, see other moves on? we have in the NBA. Uh, uh, you want to go? Yeah, yeah, we got campaign signing with the Bucks after he was released by the Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely some depth there. Really good player off the bench. I like that for the Bucks. Yeah, I agree. Uh, veteran leadership as well. I mean, he's a he's a glue guy. Yep. As, as well, every team he's been on, uh, he's he's been on the Thunder uh, with Russell Westbrook. That that you saw him first with like the dancing videos with Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. before the game. So yep. um, definitely some leadership there, and it on the Suns as well prior to this this season. So, he's going to add some depth to depth to that team, and uh, it's 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 uh, he's a very interesting player to watch too. I mean, he can he can give you 15, 16 points a night, oh, yeah, absolutely coming off the bench. So he's definitely a a, 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 a just a, a key asset to this team that yep. needs some depth. They so. they needed that pickup and they got it. So mm-hmm. I like that for the Bucks. Yeah. Um, Devin Vassell got a five year, hundred forty six million dollar rookie extension. Um, I don't have too many thoughts on that. I haven't watched the Spurs enough to know yeah. whether that was good or not. Some big bucks. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're definitely going in on the future with him. So yep. um, him and Wimby <laughs> going to be there for a bit, you would have to assume. Uh, I think the one interesting thing is the year that Wemby is eligible for a rookie extension mm-hmm. is the lowest year on his contract where he makes the least really? money. So they kind of... Nestled that, that in there, yeah, yeah. Make sure that they had the money for Wemby. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be, and, and Wemby is definitely going to get an extension with them. If and if he doesn't, if he says I don't want to be here, get <laughs> me out of here, then they're going to get some. They're going to get some definite return from him as yeah. well. Uh, another another name that got thrown around this week, uh, or this last week. Uh, Peyton Pritchard signed a four-year, $30 million extension with the Celtics. I think that was a great pickup. We were just talking about the Celtics. Um, continues that depth. He's a streaky three-point shooter. Can give you quite a bit quite a bit off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your opinions on it? Uh, I mean, I think he is in a really good fit. Obviously, he hasn't had an opportunity yet because they've been right. deep at that position. I think they're a little bit more shallow. He should get some opportunity. And I think we're going to find out how good he is, especially yep. offensively. And then defensively, they got a lot to cover for him, so he doesn't really need to do that much. So yep. I, if if I'm Peyton Pritchard, I'm happy that I got the extension. And mm-hmm. if I'm the Celtics, I'm happy that I got it for the number that I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, $30 million for four years, I think that's honestly a steal for, for the Celtics I think overall. So. Um, and then another guy, Skyler Mays. We were just talking about Portland as well. He's, he uh, signed a two-way contract with them. So 
not a, a super big name with them, but he'll get some time in the G League and then hopefully get some time up in in the league as well this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Other other news that I wanted to talk about real quick. Uh, USA basketball is uh, starting to pick up steam this this week. They announced Joel Embiid announced that he is uh, going to be on the team. Uh, pretty much, LeBron, Steph, Katie has said that they are going to be on the team as well. Devin Booker said he's willing to join the team. So this team is filling out with superstars. Yeah, uh, we should not lose this Olympics. Yeah, US. Uh should be in good position to win the Olympics for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention. So I don't know if you saw this, but the Hornets signed a deal with a Mr. Beast oh, to I see that, put yeah. a patch on there, yeah. on there. Uh, so he's, the, he's the first, uh, influencer to have a patch on a, on a Jersey. Huh. What, are, what are your thoughts on that? I don't have any thoughts on that, <laughs> uh, but in Hornets related news, their dumpster fire continues yep. as, uh, just a quick rundown. So earlier this summer, Kai Jones posted a bunch of a uh, little bit off the wagon stuff on social media. Hornets announced, oh, he's going to be away from the team indefinitely. I think there was something about him getting help in there or something like that. Mm-hmm. So Kai Jones responds with a public trade request on his social media, and the Hornets respond by waving him. So he is now a free agent. Adios. Uh, very intriguing player. A lot of athleticism mm-hmm. potential. Hasn't put it together, but... Could be a really good player for a team. He played extremely well in the game against uh, Wimbledon in the the preseason or the summer league. Obviously, it was summer league, nothing crazy. He's had NBA experience, but he he did play well against Wimbledon in that that. So, if a team is willing to uh, uh, pick up his problems, then uh, he you know he's a, he's an asset to to most yeah. teams and. So. At, it's unclear whether there is any real problems with right. him or not, or if he's just kind of being a little bit silly about his about on social media and stuff. Um, but hopefully yep. he's all right if, if there is anything going there. Um, in other Hornets news, um, Miles Bridges was an arrest warrant was issued, and he did turn himself in. He's out again. I don't know if it's on bail or mm-hmm. what the exact story is there, but um, just kind of an ongoing situation with the Hornets dumpster fire. I want to clarify this. This is not Mikel Bridges on on the Nets for people who don't who don't. It's not the same person. There's Bridges. It's Mikel and yeah, and very different people. Miles, yes. not a good person. Mikel <laughs> seems like a pretty cool, guy. outstanding person. Yeah, very very great ball player. Um, so we'll continue to follow up with with Miles and his recurring problems. It, the Hornets gave him an opportunity with this one-year contract mm. with them, and it seems like he's just fumbling it right now. Yeah, um, he's not. He does not seem to be a, a very off-court, intelligent person. Yeah, something will when we if when we get more information on that, we'll we'll update. Yeah. Um, any other NBA-related things? Nope. We we'll move on to the W. Yep. So WNBA playoffs. Um, the Aces have taken a 2-0 series lead mm-hmm. in commanding fashion. Uh, quick stats on that. Teams have never won in the NBA, WNBA Finals, went down 2-0. and they have only once forced a Game 5. So pretty yep. uh, dire situation for Liberty. Um, game 1 takeaways. Uh, game 1, it 
felt like the Aces were pretty much in control the entire game. There, it was it was way closer than game two, but uh, it was it just seemed like the Aces were steadily handling the the Liberty the entire mm-hmm. time. Uh, Sabrina Unescu couldn't really get much going the first game. Um, and it just seemed like everyone on the aces was getting going. Yeah, <laughs> An extremely, extremely deep ace, aces team. Um, what What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I'm just gonna game one and game two. I think game two was just a better game one for the mm-hmm. aces. Basically, I mean, all credit the aces. They're a really good team right now. Yeah, I they they move the ball. They share the ball. It's it's just everybody eats. Um, they're they're in a rhythm right now. Everybody is getting involved. I mean, Kia Stokes hit five threes all year, and she hit two in the first half of game two. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they're just they're just in flow rhythm right now, uh, offensively and defensively. They're they're you know they're really playing well. Their guards are um, they're dominating. Honestly, it's come down to the guard play for me. The Aces guards are on another level right now. Chelsea Gray is a is a very, very, very great player on this team. Her, her, her expertise and um, experience, well, experience, expertise, same yeah. thing, but uh, just experience in prior circumstances. I, I don't know if, if anyone had heard this, but she was when she was at Duke, she w- was out in her, her rookie, there, rookie year there um, with a season-ending injury the following year. She fractures her kneecap and is out for the rest of that season and has gone through many adverse circumstances to get to this point. Um, she is a fighter, and yep. she is a, a great addition to this team. Uh, overall, just floor general, it seems yep. like. Oh, hey, God. She, yeah, yeah. Uh, Asia Wilson, obviously, can't say enough about her. Um, she has been outstanding this 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 uh, playoffs. Yeah. Um, um, so like I think like Jackie Young, right? Mm-hmm. Normally you think, oh, she's an under on these screens. Now the Liberty have to go over on the screen because he's just hitting every shot. Kelsey mm-hmm. Plum has got it going now. Um, and to me, that's just the difference in the game. They're they're driving. They're beating the Liberty guards off the dribble. They're getting in the yep. paint with ease. If they're not getting there off the dribble, they're getting there off the cut. And then on the flip side, they're the aces are just going under everything. For Courtney Vandersloot, yeah. so she doesn't really have much going for her as far as her drives and her playmaking. And then Sabrina Inescu has been Locked not up. very aggressive, and it's not all her. She hasn't right. been; they haven't done a lot. But when the Liberty had success in the regular season, it started with an Inescu attacking Kelsey Plum off the dribble, getting in mm-hmm. the paint, and finishing. She has not done that in the finals. No. She hasn't. I mean, even when she's had Kelsey Plum on her, she hasn't looked to attack. She's coming off screens, going horizontally. Yeah. Um, and that, to me, if, if the Liberty want to turn this thing around, those two guards have to find a way to yeah. get downhill and open things up. Because John Cole Jones has been ridiculous yeah. through two games. Brianna Stewart, a little bit underwhelming, but she's still been good. Yeah. To me, it comes down to Ian Eskew and Courtney Vandersloot. They have to give more effort defensively they have to be more aggressive offensively yeah one of the big things that i like you were talking about uh you know Eskew attacking laterally instead of going you know going in or you said horizontally instead of laterally towards the hoop yep um she didn't i the, in game two the entire time i wasn't paying real close attention in the second half but the f- first half she didn't make a single cut mm. she made one three-pointer in that half 
and did not make a backdoor cut or anything. And that's exactly what the aces were doing. They were back cutting everything. They were dribbling and attacking. Um, the only time that the Liberty had an advantage in the game was in the second quarter, whenever they were pounding the ball into, uh, whenever the aces were uh, trying to get it into, oh, um, oh, what's her name? Uh, Kia, St- yeah, Kia Stokes. Stokes. Um, and she was struggling at, yeah. in, in the post play. And, against John Quill Jones. Yep. And so that slowed them down for a little bit and they brought it within nine. They were down 18. It was like single digits, nine or eight, I think in the second quarter. I think they had as close to six in the second quarter. Yeah. yeah. And so it was definitely headed in the right direction. And it just seems like they, the aces probably got smarter too and not, you know, throwing it into Stokes the whole time. But the Liberty had something going for them. They needed to continue to be attacked defensively and not just sit back and wait for, wait for the ball to be passed, then get to the the spot defensively, and then the shot goes up. Oh, it goes in. Yeah. Like, yes, Kia Stokes made two three-pointers that she normally doesn't make, but that's something that even – you got to cl- – it was a corner three. Yeah. It's, I, I personally believe that getting to the corner is one of the easiest defensive plays you can make because you have the out-of-bounds lines on two corners yep. there. You can push them. You don't not push them physically, but you can maneuver their body so that the only play they can make is – they have to throw a lob over the top to somewhere in play, or you push them out of bounds, either corner. Yeah. Um, it, so that was just something easy. Where why are you not closing out to that? <laughs> yeah. Defensively, especially the guards for the Liberty have just. I mean, again, I don't want to take anything away. Aces. They've been attacking mm-hmm. very aggressive. They've been headhunting Courtney Vandersloot and uh, Ianescu, but they haven't been able to keep the ball in front at all. And offensively, really, their best. Their best stretches throughout two games so far have been when Maureen Johannes has been on the floor. Mm -hmm. But she doesn't, I mean, she's not improving anything defensively. And offensively, she's kind of a, you know, if she's not going, she's not, you know, in the flow. She's not going to get to the rim very much. She's mostly a perimeter player there. So the answer to me for the Liberty is going to just be kind of stick with your movement, Mm -hmm. get downhill. And just do better defensively. Right. I agree. Um, A lot of this has to be with Sabrina Ionescu. Just making sure that she is playing to... She has to be efficient. Because last last offseason we saw her where she was not very efficient. Um, And she's kind of rolled back into this. But the, the rest of the playoffs prior to this, this year, she's been usually pretty efficient. I mean, shooting 50, 50% most of the time from the field or higher. And I just think that she has to take smarter shots. She was chucking some very closely contested threes. Um, she launched it. I don't even know how long. It's like a 28-footer in the first quarter, which test your range, whatever. But um, get get yourself going with some layups or something yeah. first then the the court starts to open up and you can start making some mid-ranges and then start reaching out threes and you just gotta it, it has to go back to if, if you're not getting something going pass the ball the ball will come back to you you're a talented player pass the ball make some cuts either the ball is going to come back to you on the perimeter or in the in the paint when you're cutting so just I, gotta i think in in some like they're headhunting her especially mm-hmm. defensively She's got to take it personally, and she's got to say, that's fine, you can come after me yeah. defensively, but on offense, I'm going to do my thing, yeah. and there's nothing you can do about it. Because otherwise, yeah. why are you on the floor? Right. You know, 
If, right. if you're if you're giving up stuff defensively, you have to score. You have to bring something offensively. Yeah, and I agree. Through the first two couple games, she's just been, you know, all of the Liberty. Well, aside from John Cole Jones, have been a little yeah. bit back on their heels. Kind of what are the Aces letting us do instead of going and taking it? Mm-hmm. Brianna Stewart struggled in the second game. I mean, she got her got her points. I can't remember what she ended up with, but um, she definitely struggled to be efficient in the paint yeah. in the, that that game. So uh, first two losses of her career in any championship series. Yeah. So yeah. Um, she was six and zero in the uh, the WNBA finals so far, and. Yeah. 4-0 in the NCAA championships. Yeah. 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 She she just had to leave Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> it's different when you don't have Sue Bird playing next to you, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to cover with that? Uh, I think that's all. Game three, as we're speaking right now, uh, we're recording on Saturday. The game three is actually tomorrow on Sunday. So it could be wrapped up. Um, just another time with us being one day too early or yeah. too early on stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, uh, I'm excited to see if the Liberty can turn this around. We live in the era of three Oh comebacks, uh, three, yeah. one comebacks. Like we, if any time is appropriate to make a, a comeback, it's now, I think teams are teams, the players and the teams themselves, like front offices and everything are smart enough now that, it's going to happen more often. Yeah. And this could, we may see a three, two, I, or we could see it go down <laughs> game three, a little bit of a tangent. I do think this is where the WNBA playoffs are a little bit tough because mm-hmm. the first time you see your home court, you might be facing elimination. It's yeah. like, you know, being down three Oh in a seven game series when you go right. home for the first time, it's, it's pretty tough to, to do. Plus, you know, I, I'm, I'm just seven game series. I want a seven game series. Yes. Yeah. You know who the better team is if you play seven games. Yeah, I agree. Yep. Uh, May, uh, WNBA commissioner. I don't. I can't remember what. I know name. you're listening. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Right. Let's get this changed to seven games. Um, and then the the semifinals should be five games as well. That would be a lot more interesting. Yeah. So, were they five? The no. The the first round should first be five round should be five. Yeah. yeah. And the other two should be seven. That'd be a lot more interesting. Um, one other WNBA thing I want to speak on before we move on from that. Uh, they announced that there is going to be an expansion team at the uh, Chase Center for the uh, Golden State Warriors. Uh, Did we talk about this last episode? I don't think so. I think it was right after. Okay. Well, yeah. Sure. So expansion team. I think there's going to be a second team as well. They just haven't decided yet. Yeah. The location. The location. Yeah. The city for that. Um, yeah. But, I don't think we covered it. But. I think it was like right at the same time that the Giroud trade happened. Okay. It was like right at the end, early of the last week. If we week. covered it last time, we'll bring it back up now because yeah. it's really exciting. We get another team. Yeah. Um, they definitely have to add an Eastern Conference team because it's going to be off off balance then if they don't. Or they pull a team over to the East. I don't know. That's true. I don't know. Chicago. Chicago is probably in the East. Um, I don't know who they pull over, but. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be very... Uh, so east they got Atlanta, Chicago, Connecticut, Indiana, New York, Washington, which are all pretty pretty, pretty well east. east. Coast, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Dallas, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minnesota, Phoenix, Seattle. So um, Phoenix, Seattle, Los Angeles, LA, or Las Vegas, pretty much mostly west coast. The only ones I could see is like Minnesota or Dallas, maybe because they're yeah. just like in the middle of the country. Yeah. 
Maybe they'll just bring an East Coast team in. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Get a a Florida team. Yeah. Like they a could do that. Miami. Mm-hmm. That'd be that'd be fun. We know Miami fans like basketball, so yeah. Yeah. get some heat culture in the yeah. WNBA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um you want to move on to the preseason. Talk a little yeah. bit about the preseason yeah. so far. NBA preseason. Yeah. Uh, so a couple, couple of games that have happened so far. The one that I really wanted to cover uh, personally was the OKC Spurs matchup. Mm, that was a fun matchup. Yeah. Chet versus Winby uh, definitely did not disappoint. Uh, so Chet had uh, 21 points, nine rebounds, one assist, and Wimby had 12 and five. Um, or tw- I'm, I'm sorry, 21 and five. 20, I think it was 21. One of one of them had 21, one had 22, I think. It was it was very neck and neck. They were both that. really good. Um, yeah. They they ended up uh OKC pulled the went out by one point. Uh it was it was very, very close game. Um very lengthy players can shoot. It was it was just overall a very good game to watch. Yeah, I, I can't wait to see more Chet this year mm-hmm. on and, and Wembenyama, but starting with Chet, I mean his yeah. three point shot in the preseason, like his pick and pop has looked deadly. Yeah. And then he's shown some stuff off the drive that just is really good. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be he's gonna create a, a problem as yeah. a mismatch. I mean, even when they had wings on him and the same for Wembenyama, you know, you're like, Oh, okay, they're kinda skinny. We put a wing on him and it didn't matter. They were still getting to the rim off the bounce. Um th- they were really good. And defensively is Women Yama got was guarding Jalen Williams. He got completely turned around and he recovered mm-hmm. to block a layup. And it was just like, what? How? His length is is just insane. We were talking about the the previous game that they were playing against uh, the Heat, and it was just incredible. Uh, his his athleticism at his size is is I think it's incomparable to anyone we've ever seen before. It's. He's just so nimble on his mm-hmm. feet for someone who's seven four. You know, yeah. And yeah. you're not supposed you're supposed to move much slower at that size. And he just he just glides around. Yeah, yeah. Has there been anyone in the preseason so far besides those two or the, anyone we've talked about that has really um, stood out to you? Um, for the Heat, Cole Swider has been mm-hmm. really good. Um, you know, they got a. Max Strews 2.0 situation going on there. <laughs> yeah. Of course, the Heat would do that. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else that stood out. Uh, who Did you have someone that stood out to you? Uh, I did have one person that stood out, and it was actually someone that uh, you commented on in, like, episode four, I think. It was a while back uh, for not working out as much in the off season and getting a shot. Jonathan Kaminga. He's mm. played extremely well in the in the preseason so far. Um, he, it seems like he has developed a jump shot because he's been shooting extremely efficiently from from like deep mid range, and he stepped out and shot some three pointers now too. Um, he is, I, I think, for the preseason, he's shooting around 53 percent from the field. Uh, put up twenty eight one game, twenty two last night against the Lakers, uh, he's he seems to be improving overall. Which, again, it's preseason. You can't read into it too much. They're giving him a little bit more action because Curry, Clay, um, CP3, uh, Draymond are all on the bench for a majority of the game. They get in, run up and down the court a couple times, get some points, get off. Um, 
but giving Kaminga this time, like he will in the, the the second the second team, probably. Well, I think they announced the CP was going to be starting. I, I believe. Yeah, I said, but yeah, he'll still have some time with the second unit most of the time. So, um, Kaminga and him are very interesting to play together. Uh, Moses Malone is also looking very good. Um, Moses, Moody. Mo- Moses Moody, <laughs> not Moses Malone. He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Moses Moody. Um, but, yes, Moses Moody was looking also very good for the Warriors. I, I watched uh, them play... Uh, three uh, trains. Three wow. trains in one episode. This is crazy. We got... <laughs> um, but, no, uh, Mo- Moses Moody was also looking very good. I think I think Moses Moody and Kaminga are kind of on the same track as players. Like, mm-hmm. time frame-wise, age-wise. Um, they're both developing at this time. And the Warriors... This is kind of like the Warriors' future. Yeah, they need to develop these guys now, so that whenever Steph and Clay and CP hang it up, that they have these guys to rely on. Yeah. So, if those guys are playing well, the Warriors are deep and dangerous mm-hmm. for sure. And CP3 yeah. has looked good at least offensively again yeah. with the Warriors. So yeah, um, I was watching the the Lakers Warriors last night, and CP drove to the paint, shot a floater over the top of, I think it was uh, Jackson Hayes. Jackson Hayes blocks it. CP3 somehow gets it back and then tosses it into, uh, uh, I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, it was Moses Moody or something like that. But just he, the, the way he manip- he always has his eyes on the ball, mm-hmm. always. And he, the way he manipula- manipulates the game to how he wants it is incredible. I mean, he's 38 years old and doing this still. I think this is going to be the easiest offensive season of his career as yeah. well. Yeah, I agree. Um, another, another. I, I don't know if you saw this battle, but uh, Cam Thomas and uh, Austin Reeves yeah. going back to back to back to back to back on threes. Yeah, uh, It was very interesting. It, it very much felt like... Um, like an all-star weekend game with that situation, but it was it was cool to see him go, uh, you know, go crazy. Cam Cam Thomas is is. Uh, I, I just like how Cam Thomas person. is always like insulted when someone <laughs> plays defense again. He's like, "How dare you?" Yeah, eh. and then he just he's like, "I got to score now." Yeah, yeah. He's he's a fun guy to watch. I'm I'm excited to 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 see him play a little bit more this year. I hope he develops into a more consistent player. Yeah, I and agree. He's a fun, he's a fun player to watch. Yeah, and he's lethal. I mean, we saw it last year. He exploded for fifty-point games, multiple forty-point mm-hmm. games. At a young age, I think he's 25, 24, 25, and he's young. Yeah. Um. So I, it'll be it'll be really nice to see him as he gets older and develops. Yep. Any other games you want to highlight from preseason so far? Nope. Um. I I can't wait for the regular season to start. <laughs> I know. What a week now. A week, yeah. Uh, the uh, week from Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, is the first first uh, regular season game, and it starts off with Warriors uh, Lakers. This is the that's their first game. Uh, of course, I mean they need to get the viewership on that first game. So, um, this I've heard, I've seen from multiple reports. Uh, this is the most intense preseason that they, many teams have seen for years. Uh, how people are training for this. And I think it just speaks to how even the West is right now. The East is, you know, they're not as deep, but still have 
plenty of teams that can compete for a title. Mm-hmm. Um, so teams are realizing that and saying, uh, we better get started now instead of halfway through the season, especially East Coast teams. Like they get when they face off against West Coast teams, they have to bring their best. I agree. So this will be. I am. I, I agree with you. I'm so excited for this season to start. Um, right. You want to go into a little bit of uh, interesting facts for the week? Yeah, let's get it. Okay, so uh, I also wanted to touch on this real quick. This can be an interesting fact as a fact as well. Um, but so Chris Haynes uh, dropped a story about how Joe Cronin, who is the uh, who's with Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, so Damian Lillard was prepared to withdraw his trade request. I don't. I didn't know if you had heard. He said, that. Uh, "I believe he said something along the lines if I can't go to the Miami Heat, I'm fine. We'll just, mm-hmm. I'll just run it back." Yeah, and Joe Cronin said, "Actually, no, there's no coming then, back." Yeah, and said he he cannot come back from from this. So it said that he said that their relationship had been torn enough that they can't. They can't repair it. So obviously, we see how it ended. Dame to the Bucks. Um, it's it's just I, I feel I feel like that's they both ha- they they were both in the right. I think mm. I think Joe Cronin after Dame requests a trade. I think a lot of people see that as like oh the team doesn't respect the player anymore. But Dame was also the one to put in the trade request in the first place. So I think that there's a little bit like okay Joe Cronin did have the right to say that. And if you're Joe Cronin and you want to keep your job, you probably needed to make this yeah. trade ultimately yeah. for the long-term, you know, success of the franchise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I just wanted to touch on that real quick that that I had heard that that story had happened. But um, uh, now on to the interesting facts here. So uh, the year after uh, Dirk won the, uh, well, I'm sorry, it was, it was three years after. So the 2014 off season, the Mavs offered him a three-year. Uh, $25 million contract, which he ended up taking with the Mavericks. Um, instead, uh, there was uh, the Lakers and the Rockets offered him a four-year $97 million contract. Wow. And he took a, took a per year, I guess it would have been about a $50 million uh, cut, like for the whole contract. Wow. Took a cut of about $50 million to stay with the Mavericks. Wow. Instead of going to the Lakers and the Rockets. So, um He's the definition of a guy you want on your team for a long yeah, a amount of time. Superstar for yeah. sure. So I just thought that was crazy that he denied denied that much money for it. Um, and then I, this is in, absolutely insane to me. But uh, Kawhi Leonard has less career points than Tobias Harris. What? Kawhi Leonard has 12,324 points. Tobias Harris has 13,398 points. Wow. I guess that's what availability does for someone. Yeah. Just consistency. Because that's... Tobias Harris is nothing if not consistent. Yeah. It's... that that was just absurd to me to see that, which it 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 definitely makes sense with Kawhi's, Kawhi's track record. Um, but that he's just such a pure scorer, though you would think he would have more points than that in the games that he is playing. Yeah. Um, I got one more, and then we can move on to the one and one. I got I got I got one. Fact I got as one well. as well. Okay. Uh, do you want to do yours first? Yeah, so okay. speaking of the 76ers, we all know their second-round playoff struggles, but mm-hmm. here's a fun fact. Game 1, 2001 NBA Finals, mm-hmm. which the Sixers won, 
and Allen Iverson did the famous step over of Tyron Ty- Lue. Yep. Since that game, the 76ers have not won a game outside of the second round of the playoffs. It's a curse. They did not win another game that finals, and they have not been back to the conference finals since that game. Mm, it's a curse. It's a curse. Just something really weird and interesting I saw. It's this. the Ty Lue curse. That's yeah. what we're going to refer to it as from <laughs> now on. Ty Lue curse. Ty Lue did this. Yep. <laughs> Um, so my last one that I wanted to do, so Andre Drummond, a notoriously horrible free throw shooter, um, similar to Dwight Howard, Shaquille O'Neal is the hack a shack era, basically with the, with Andre Drummond before they kind of changed up that rule a little bit. Um, he once shot 36 free throws in a game. Uh, he finished with 17 points. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, not all of those were free throws. Like he made layups and, and some bank shots That's... and things like that. So he missed an absurd amount of free throws. I don't wow. know the exact number, but he, he had to have missed. I mean, if he had 17 points, he at least missed 19 free throws. <laughs> wow. So he was less from 50, guaranteed less than 50% without even counting in how many field goals he yeah. had. Wow. Yeah. That's just... I, I mean, <laughs> man, you make a lot of money. Just go learn how to make free throws. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy. All right. Well, uh, that wraps up episode, uh, episode nine. We'll hit the one-on-one here for, in just a minute, but we want to thank everyone for listening to us. Um, and thank you also for cottage for our intro and outro music. Uh, we'll also be dropping two episodes in honor of the, NBA season starting. Our next episode, we'll have some predictions for the upcoming mm-hmm. season. So stick around for that after yeah. we finish this episode. Yeah. Um, also, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever that is still. Um, and uh, make sure to send us some questions we can answer on the podcast. Um, I'll make sure to get something out on Instagram for, I guess it'd be episode 11 next time we record on a traditional time frame. Uh, but we will uh, answer any questions that we got. So, uh, ready for the one on one? Yep. All right. So, I actually covered this uh, first one about a couple weeks ago. So, we'll see how how good your memory is, and it's a pr- pretty easy one too uh-huh. here. But okay. So, in honor of the uh, NBA season starting here in about a week and a half, uh, what team started the season at a record twenty four and zero in? Uh, or is it a 24 and 0 win streak? Uh, I'm gonna assume that's is that Golden State Warriors. It was 2016. Yes, it was. Okay. They actually started the season overall 29 and one after wow. that. Um, it was 37 and two or something like that as well. Yeah, it was that that season was abs- in, insane. It was obviously the one that they went on went 73 and nine. Uh, did not win the championship that season. 3-0 comeback. So there was a lot of records being broken that season. Um, and so at Golden State is just absurd for doing that. I, and I, I think it was, who was it recently that said, it was Andre Iguodala that said he would never do that again. <laughs> like he would never try for the record, a, a season record yeah. again. Yeah. Um, he just wants the title. He doesn't want the, the record, the regular yeah. season title or the regu- regular season record. But okay. So now we got a score of, uh, five, four, I think so. I yeah. Five, five four. 
five four. Okay, so I will accept two answers for this because there is two two correct answers. If you get both, I'll give you two points. Okay. So prior to the Warriors, their win streak of twenty four zero to start the season, who held the prior record? And I will give you a hint. It was fifteen and zero. Two teams. Two teams started fifteen and zero. I'm gonna go with. Oh man, this is tough. The probably a Chicago Bulls team, almost certainly. Uh, the, what, what what team was the really good one? Was that the 95-96 Bulls? Yeah, it was the or I think ninety six ninety seven? I believe was the record breaking year. Was that was that one of the teams? It is not. I'll give you one more guess. Uh, I'm gonna go with the oh, which year? Twenty eighteen Houston Rockets. Ooh, it was not the 2018 Houston Rockets, but it was the Rockets. Oh, probably like 94. 93-94 Rockets. Ah, yeah. And the I'll, I'll give you the point just because you named the Rockets. <laughs> no, I don't want your pity points. Okay. <laughs> okay, so it was 93-94 Rockets and the 48-49 Washington Capitals. 48-49. Ah, yeah, a throwback <laughs> on this one. Yeah, a team that's not even a team anymore. It's now the, the Wizards, but it was not the Capitals for a long time. Um, so they each started uh, 15-0 and on a season. And then, uh, well, almost 20-some years afterwards, the, the Rockets, the Warriors break it. I think so. both of those teams won a championship as they well. They did. 93-94, Rockets repeated in the in the two years in between the Bulls' three-peats. Yeah. MJ left, and Hakeem was like, my time to shine. Yep. Got yep. his titles. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was very interesting that those teams were that successful. All right, everyone, that wraps up officially episode nine. We will be back for episode 10 very shortly. So stick around. Thanks for listening. Yep. Adios. Bye.